All right, this is the third week of the series that I've called A New Beginning. And the point here is that God wants to create a new beginning in your life in a brand new year. And we've been studying the life of Joseph and in particularly a couple of passages shaped around the dedication and naming of his son, gleaning insights from his story uh, that helps to position us for what God wants to do in our life in this brand new year. So I'm happy that you're joining us. Listen, let's turn to the passage that we've been really reflecting on, Genesis 41. Here, uh, Joseph has already named and dedicated his first son, Manasseh, which means to forget. And now he's doing the same for his second son. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. All right, let's just pick up right here. I just want to Uh, say to you what I've been saying for the last several weeks that embedded in this text is a word from God for you that God is saying in 2021 that he wants to make your life fruitful somebody shout fruitful productive somebody shout impactful yes impactful in 2021 right in the land of your suffering right in this land where there's such suffering and such Uh, misfortune and such grief and such affliction right in the place where our lives have been touched by the death of loved ones right in this place where hospital rooms are filling up and and right in this horrendously toxic uh, political and dangerous atmosphere here in America God said yes as excruciating and painful as the land in which you are living is I want to make you fruitful right there. I want to give your life impact right there. Somebody shout impact. Praise God. But I've also said that if you can just believe that, right? If you can begin to wrap your mind around it, if you can believe that it's not an accident that you're tuning in and I'm teaching this lesson, right? Out of all the places you could be, you're listening to me teach this and that this is a God-orchestrated moment, then I want you to also recognize that it's not magical. It doesn't happen automatically. It's a process that is involved, that God is inviting you to participate, to collaborate and uh, inside of his process. Look, God's work of redemption, that's the process that we've talked about, that God does a work of redemption. It's a theme throughout the Bible. That's how he moves and works in the world. And that's how he wants to move and work in your life. And over the last two weeks, I've told, we, we focused on the very first step. We took two weeks to focus on it. The first step of this process for you is that God says, I wanted to teach you how to forget, how to, how to let go of old hurts and, and unhealthy relationships, how to say goodbye. And if you missed those two weeks of messages, our website is right here on the screen. Make sure you go and check out those messages. Second uh, step in this process that we're going to cover this week and next week, God says, Not only do I need to teach you how to forget in order to make your life fruitful in this year, but I've got to teach you how to focus. Can somebody shout focus? God says, I just need to get you focused. So this week, I'm going to talk a little bit about what it means to, uh, to get focused, how to get focused inside of God's plan. And then next week, I'm going to pick up where I left off at and finish about how to get focused and then finish that message on how to stay focused. So make sure that you're with us, not just this week, but make sure you pop back in next week. Somebody shout, focus. Now, 
the thing that I want to point out here that I find to be interesting about the text that I just read is that Joseph's dedication of his son, where he declares that God has made him fruitful in the land of his suffering, in the pinnacle moment of his leadership, it happens at the very, it happens in the middle of a 14-year plan that he is leading and orchestrating in order to help Egypt survive a major famine. And he's at the end of the first seven years. So he's midway through in the first seven years of, of plenty and abundance. And the next two verses that follow right after he says, God has made me fruitful, comes the statement about the famine. Watch what it, watch what it text says. It says, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine or great adversity began just as Joseph had said. Seven years earlier, Joseph had predicted. He, had, he, he, he was interpreting a dream that said that, that, that there would be seven years of abundance harvest, abundant harvest and seven years of famine. And, and, and in that prediction, God had revealed to him a plan that would help him to lead the nation of Egypt across the 14-year uh, pathway. And his task was to drive that plan and stay focused. And then it goes on to say, so there was famine in all the other lands. This was their equivalent to our modern day pandemic, right? And, and, and people in, in countries all around Egypt where, where the water was drying up, food was disappearing, people were dying uh, all over the place because of starvation, right? But in the whole land of Egypt, the country of Egypt, there was still food. Ultimately, it, it gets to Egypt and people begin to feel the famine there. Watch this. And so the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. We need help, Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. All right, there's two insights that come to mind as I read this text that I want to read you as we think about, uh, as we think about structuring, come on now, a life-transforming plan for the year of 2021 are further, right? The first insight is that whenever you do some planning, it needs to anticipate two things that we see in this text. Seven years of abundance are success. Seven years of famine are adversity. Whatever plan that you seek to orchestrate in your life should anticipate not only success, but it also should anticipate great adversity. You see, here's the problem when we have a plan that does not anticipate great adversity. When we run into that adversity, whether it's about trying to uh, lose weight or uh, whether it's, it's, it's trying to move our marriage into a brand new season, uh, whether it's trying to, trying to uh, increase our GPA, that, that, that if when we run into unexpected adversity, if we're not careful, it undermines our ability to stay focused. As a matter of fact, it seduces us into stopping and quitting and giving up. But if your plan anticipates great adversity, when you run into great adversity, rather than being undermined for it, come on, and distracted by it, you have, you, you have, you, you have planned to accommodate it. So whatever plan you have, you need to make sure you build in success, but also an anticipation 
of adverse adversity. Here's the second insight that comes from the plan. I really love this, this insight here. So Pharaoh says, they come to Pharaoh says, look, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Now when I read this sentence, I think about the, what Joseph named his second son, Ephraim. The actual, uh, that name actually means double prosperity, uh, doubly productive, doubly impactful, right? And I can't help but as I, as I think, as I see this, go to Joseph. And I think about what he named the son and what it meant in Joseph's life, what he was trying to memorialize in his life. I, I think here's what Joseph was saying. That, that, that God gave him an impact that even famine couldn't eclipse. Come on now. I, I think what he was saying is that in the time of success, I was impactful. But also in the time of famine, God made it so that I'm impactful. Doubly impactful. Here's the word for you. That God wants to give you an impact. Whether you're on the first line taking care of uh, COVID patients or whether you're, you're, you're a cashier working in a Safeway store or whether you're an educator, come on now, trying to learn how to teach kids through a, a, mon a, a computer screen. God says, look, I want to give you an impact that even the pandemic cannot eclipse. As a matter of fact, uh, what, what we learn from Joseph is that God can give you an impact that the pandemic can't eclipse, but rather the pandemic will actually amplify your impact. Because it's in the pandemic. God says, if you let me have my way with your life, that, 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 that others will be able to send people to you. Come on now. Not that it will be easy. Uh, come on now. It will be hard. It will be challenging. But others will come to you. And you will be my instrument. I know God is talking to somebody listening to me right now. You will be my instrument instrument. Uh, you'll be my arms and you'll be my legs. You'll be my heart of love. You'll be the instrument through which I'll do works, great works of innovation and creativity in the world. And I'm calling you to a life of impact right in the land where there's such affliction and suffering. And the affliction and suffering doesn't cut off your impact, but rather your impact is amplified within it. Somebody ought to say, praise God. So say, yeah, 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 that's the kind of life I want. That's the kind of fruitfulness that I want. All right, so as you think about that, let me just identify, first of all, what I want to call a principle that's going to help you to begin to find your focus. Frankie Covenant, uh, give us this principle. Here it is. Begin with the end in mind. The author of the book, uh, Seven uh, Habits for Highly Effective People. Here's one of the habits. Begin with the end in mind. When, when Joseph started the process of leading Egypt, he knew where the end was. He had a time frame, 14 years. And at the end of 14 years, he, he was clear about where he wanted to, to end up at, that he wanted his leadership to have been so effective that the nation of Egypt will have come all the way through that horrible uh, famine. And not only will it have survived, but it will be positioned for greater success. He knew the time, and he knew where he wanted to end up at. So what's your time frame, first of all? Are, are, you, are you thinking about, well, just for 2021, where do I want to end up at the end of 2021? Or maybe for somebody, it's like, where do I want to end up at after the end of five years? Or where do I want to end up at at the end of 10? You need to pick your time frame, right? 
and ask yourself the question, where do I want to end up at? And begin your planning and your focus with the end in mind. And then there is a question that helps us to drill down as we think about focus. Here's the question. It's tied directly to the text. If you truly believe that God says that he wants to make you fruitful and productive and impactful, come on, you've got to ask yourself the question, what does fruitfulness look like in my life? Take a picture of that. What does it look like in my life? Does fruitfulness look like you're moving from, you're a high school student or a middle school student, you're moving from a C plus to a to, to, to a B plus or to an A minus or to an A in your class? What does fruitfulness look like at the end of your time? Does it look like at the, uh, uh, your, at the end of this year, at the end of the next three years, uh, as your kids exit from your home into, into life, you know, college or trade school or whatever? Does it look like you're, you're, you're spending the bulk of your time pouring values into their life? What does fruitfulness look like in your life? Is it a promotion by the time you get to the end of 2021? Is it how, how much weight you have lost? Is it how much debt you have come out? What, what does fruitfulness look like? You need to write it out. Take it, write it out in two or three sentences. Here's, here's what fruitfulness is. Spend some time praying about it. And then, okay, here's what it is. As best you can see. All right, here's what I'm suggesting. Identify your goals. That's what we're working on. What's, what's your goal or your goals? Somebody shout goals. Identify your target. What are you aiming for? What are you shooting for? All right, let me just quickly talk to you about how Joseph ended up shooting for the goals that he was shooting for over a 14-year period of time. Uh, his story actually starts in Genesis chapter 37, and you may recall uh, that there he's the favorite son of, uh, out of 12 boys of a fellow by the name of Jacob whose name is turned to Israel. And he's, 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 he's lavishly favored, right? And, and, and so just a quick aside, this is a good time for those of us who are parents to ask ourselves the question, are we lavishly favoring one child over another child, over other kids? Because here's the deal. If we're favoring, and I'm not saying you got to treat every child the same. Kids are different, so some require more discipline, some require less discipline. But this, this, this notion of one kid being highly favored, because perhaps you have a great connection with this kid, they're, they're, clo- they're better, closer to your personality than the other kid. you got to be careful making sure that you don't come across highly favoring one over the other. Because that leads to significant dysfunction. And in Joseph's story, uh, the dysfunction emerged as the other uh, boys, the ten of them at least, ended up hating Joseph and selling him into slavery, doing horrible things to him and selling him into slavery to the Midianites. And the Midianites ultimately takes him to Egypt and sells him to a fellow by the name of Potiphar. And God blesses him and he rises in Potiphar's uh, house as a manager. We'll talk about that in a minute. But then, in the midst of his success, somebody shouts success, he becomes attractive to Potiphar's wife. And she, she makes a play at him. And, 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 and I'm going to talk about this next week. We've we got to be aware of some things that will distract us. And one of the things that will distract us, if we're not careful, is success. It will attract some of the wrong things. Come on. And so she got interested and she went after him. He said, oh, no, I can't do this. I can't hurt God like this. And I can't hurt Potiphar like this. And, 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 and over and over again, he refused and ultimately ran out of the room one day, left his coat behind. She grabbed and then she accused him of and an innocent man ended up going to prison. 
I wonder does that resonate with somebody's story just listening to me. This is, the, this is the biblical text, real life. An innocent man ends up in prison. And so there he meets a fellow, a cupbearer, right? And he cupbearer to the Pharaoh. He has a dream. Joseph interprets a dream that says in three days it means you're going to re- be restored to your position to Pharaoh. And when you get there, remember me. And of course, uh, it happens. And he returns. But he doesn't remember Joseph for two years that Joseph remains in prison. And then the Pharaoh has a dream. It's a disturbing dream, and he can't find anybody on his staff, on his executive team to interpret the dream. The dream is he sees seven very healthy, uh, 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 well-fed cows coming up out of the Nile. And then he sees seven skin and bone cows poor looking coming up out of the Nile and they eat the healthy ones and then he sees seven stalks of grain just so wonderful and plump and healthy and then he sees seven more stalks coming up out of the Nile and they are poor and dried up and they eat up the first seven and he can't find anyone to interpret the dream and then the the, uh, cupbearer says oh I remember one the fellow that I was in prison with two years ago he was a great dreamer let me get him and they send word for Joseph Joseph shaves he shows up in front of Pharaoh come on God's hand at work and and here's what Joseph and and Pharaoh said here's my dream and I can't find anybody to interpret it can some can you tell me sir uh, what does this dream mean? And, and Joseph essentially said, well, look, I don't have the power to interpret it, but God has the power to interpret it. And then here's what it means. It means that the next seven years will be a period of great prosperity. That's the fat cows. That's the, that's the great grain that you see, the prosperous grain throughout the land of Egypt. But afterwards, there will be, come on now, seven years, sir, of famine that is so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten. That's the, that's the, the skin and bone, bone cows, come on, eating up the prosperous cows in the dream. They're all forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land, sir, unless you have a plan, a plan that you can develop and be focused on that's tied to some specific goals to get you through. And the first thing you need, sir, you got to identify a man that is intelligent and wise that has the gifts of leading, uh, developing and leading through this plan. And Pharaoh says, well, where can I find such a man? He says, wait a moment. The Spirit of God is in you. You're the man. I'm authorizing you to put the plan together. I'm making you second in command to me. And you oversee. You drive with focus the plan over the course of the next 14 years all right so inside of this uh, let me suggest that there are some questions as you think through okay what's the goals because that's how Joseph got his goals okay I've got to get them through 14 years through famine positioned for success on the other side that's what fruitfulness looks like to me. That's my target, right? And I've got to develop a process, somebody shout process, that allows me, most people say plan, I like to use the word process, process that will allow me to drive the nation in that direction. All right, so here's some, what I want to call some process questions or some questions that I want you to, not just, I want you to do both. I want you to process, think it out loud, talk to people about, but I also want you to remember to talk to God about as you're trying to identify that the right goals for this year that you're going to be focused on. And here's the first question. It's kind of the first level of question. What do I want to accomplish? 
Maybe you say, well, by the end of the year, I want to lose 25 pounds. That's, a, that's based on what you want to accomplish. That's the kind of goal most of us start at the beginning of the year. And at about six weeks, we get distracted. Our focus is dismantled. We ultimately give up, right? There's another level. This is a more powerful question. What do I want to be? At, at the end of 2020, uh, rather, who do I want to be? Uh, or over the course of the next five years, who do I want to be? This is a question of identity. So rather than saying, you know what, by the end of the year, I want to I lose 25 pounds, perhaps you would say, I want to be the person who exercises without fail four days a week. That's who I want to be. And it's much more of a gravitational pull towards our identity. But here's an even more powerful and even a more effective question. Watch this. Who is God calling me to be? And how has God shaped me? This is the question that every Jesus follower ought to, ought, ought to ask. Every believer ought to ask. Come on, this is a, this is a significantly more powerful and more effective question uh, that ties us into this notion that God says, I want to make your life fruitful and impactful. It positions you for that kind of experience with God. N- notice why. Notice the next slide. Notice this. Notice the distinction between the questions. The first two questions are focused on I, what I can accomplish, on, on who I want to be, right? The second, the last one is focused on who is God calling me to be and how has God shaped me? That, that in the first two questions, I'm the subject driving the action, right? Determining the outcome. In, in this last question, God is the subject driving the action, determining the outcome. All right, here's one more insight about the distinction between these questions. In these first two questions, if I set as a, as a goal that, that I want to move my marriage into the next season, or I want to become, a, you know, an A student, and right now I'm a C plus, come on, or I want, to, I want to win a promotion on my job, right? If I set that as a goal of what I'm going to accomplish, the moment I run up against my limitations, my limitations may seduce me into believing I can never do it. The person says, I want to help move my marriage into the next season may say, well, I'd, I'd want to do it, but, the, but you, know, I, I can't, you know, I can't control my tongue. And, and my attitude is, it, it gets nasty. And, and really, that's just the way I've been all my life. I, I can't really change. Come on now. Uh, 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 the person that's trying to gr- upgrade your grade, you may say, you know, I'm just not good with algebra. English one is just not, the, what, what is not seemingly natural to me. And when you run up against your limitation, you give up. But when, when you partner with God, come on now, and you say, God, how have you shaped me? God, who are you calling me to be? Now you're in partnership with an unlimited God. The only limitations God has are the limits he imposes on himself to make sure that you have the freedom to operate. Come on now. And so your limitations happens to be God's opportunities. Come on. And so in partnership with God, come on now, uh, you, you discover that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that he can give me the wisdom, that he can give me the self-control, come on, that he can raise up in me, the, 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 open up my understanding. I can do my work. I, I love the story of my wife. She often shares that when she was coming through high school, she was, uh, you know, she said she was a poor 
reasonably poor science and math student. But when God called her to medicine, and she was teaching at a college campus in Arkansas, and God spoke to her and said, I'm calling you to be a doctor. And so we tested the call. We said, just drop out, stop teaching, and go back to class. And she took some physics courses and some, uh, some high math courses, and she got a 4.0. I said, well, baby, what was the difference? She said, I don't know. She said, it was like God just opened up my mind. That what was complicated and un- I couldn't understand. Come on, an unlimited God opened up my mind. When you're in partnership with a God who calls you and shapes you, come on now, you can focus on that call. Somebody shout, focus. All right, let's go watch this last point. I'm running out of time. Let me just hustle through this. So, so, uh, so how, do I, how, how do I figure out who God is calling me to be and how God has shaped me? All right. You got to prayerfully assess or evaluate, shout evaluate, assess or evaluate your passion, the things that get you excited, the things that cause you to wake up uh, happy in the morning. Come on now. The thing, the, the thing that, 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 that make your juices run. Come on. You got to assess your gifts, your talents and your skills. You got to assess your ex- life experiences that brings richness to your life and uniqueness to your perspective right you got it and then you need to take note of those inspired moments those moments when God reveals that his hand is at work in your life and all that helps you begin to hear and sense the God who says that before you were in your mother's womb I called you and ordained you to a work and an assignment in this world and I had 2021 in mind you've got to you, you'll be able to respond to a God who declares to the apostle Paul that before I laid the foundations of the earth I saw this time in 2021 and I saw where you were going to be and I called you before you were born to be to, to, in Christ to be holy and blameless to become a part of my family Ephesians uh, 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 one and, 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 and to give you a work in this season to make you fruitful and impactful you got to figure out how you're shaped alright so begin to work this through alright let me tell you how this looks in Joseph's life as we hasten to his conclusion let me show you how this looks in Joseph's life this first point I'm saying you got to figure out how you're shaped what are your natural gifts and skills? And you gotta, you gotta let that be the center of whatever planning you're doing in your life. In other words, uh, you've got some natural skills, some natural gifts, you might have to sharpen them, but you gotta lean in towards that. All right, look at Joseph. Part of what made Joseph sparkle in every context he was in was that he leaned into how God had naturally shaped him. Look at this. Potiphar soon made Joseph his personal attendant. It's him and part of his house. He put Joseph in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. In other words, Potiphar recognized that Joseph was naturally bent towards management, administration, and leadership. And he put him in a position, and Joseph leaned in, and God blessed it, and he shined. When he was thrown in prison, watch what happens. It says, before long, the warden put Joseph, here it goes again, in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. My goodness. Joseph's natural bent was towards administration and management and leadership. And he just started being faithful wherever he was. And, 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 And people could see it. And his gift made space for him. Y'all, they listen. That's what the scripture says. Come on. But then, it's not just your skill and your gift that you want to pay attention to. You also want to pay attention to 
those what I call those inspired moments, those moments where the hand of God is at work. Because, Because on occasion, you may have the gifts and the skills, but you can't activate it until God opens a door. That you can't move forward until God brings you to the mind and the attention of somebody who's ready to elevate you. Come on now, watch what happens here. The Lord, in the particle context, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded. In other words, God's favor was upon him and was blessing everything that Joseph was doing. Right? Watch the next text. Uh, In prison, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, showed him faithful love. Watch this. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden, who in terms elevated him. That's God's favor opening doors. That's God's favor bringing Joseph to attention of people so as you try to figure out what is the goal try to figure out so that I can attach a build a process I need to think about how has God shaped me but I need to pay attention to those places where God is supernaturally at work and God's saying to somebody I want to be supernaturally at work in your life if you would simply come on now commit your heart to me and allow me to lead and be faithful where you are I end this with a story. You know, when, when I was getting ready to go to college, I don't even remember meeting with my high school counselor, not even one time. And for the most part, no one thought, at least for a couple of years in high school, that I was college material. And then by the time my life changed, we had a poor system in high school. So anyway, I ended up at Gramlin State University College thinking that when I got there, I could fill out my financial aid papers uh, because we couldn't afford to pay. And, you know, i fill it out and they'd be... I'd get financial aid there. <laughs> oh, when I arrived, I figured out that I was completely out of the loop. Listen, everybody else filled out their financial aid papers months in advance. And it has to go to D.C. D.C. has to approve how much, how much loan money you get, how much payout grant you get. And, and, and the paperwork was, was processed and ready to go. And here I was. And so they told me, sorry, if you don't have any money, you're going to have to go home. <laughs> I called my grand aunt. And I said, uh, I told her what was happening. She said, just wait right there. I don't, yeah, I'll get back to you in a day. And she called my Uncle Avin, who was a police juror in, in our parish. He turned around. I didn't even know he knew. He called the, 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 uh, the state senator. The state senator didn't turn around and call the president of the university. The president of the university sent someone out to find me. Did you see the hand of God at work? Did you see the hand of God, this little country boy out of Cushada? And, and, and he calls me into his office. And then the president of the university says to me, uh, he says, you know, you got people in high places. I said, sir, I don't, the only person that I know I've got in high places is God. <laughs> he's like, he said, well, God must be working for you. And he explained to me what went down, right? And, and I'm shocked. And he says, okay, so what do you want me to do for you? I said, sir, I just want to, I want to go to school. I said, so I'm ready to cut the yard. I said, I'm ready to clean commodes and sweep floors. I said, yeah, you know, I'll do anything over the next weeks or several months until my paperwork comes through. I'll do anything. I just want to go to school. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Johnson, it was his name. He gave me the best job on the campus, working in the financial aid office. I got to process my paperwork as I came through, as it came through. Can somebody say the hand of God? Can somebody say God moving supernaturally? And, 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 and it, is that, it is the move of God through Dr. Johnson, the favor that God showed me that positioned me to be able to go through college and end up where I am today. 
Somebody say, thank God for the favor of God. <laughs> so we're going to stop right here. In terms of getting a focus, it begins spiritually. And then it works itself forward from there. Let's pray. God, I pray that you just bless this message, that it will speak volumes in our hearts. And that you enable people to return back next week so we can finish it up in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, very quickly, I want you to, uh, opening up in your app, in the app is a connection card. I want you to quickly turn to the connection card. There are three opportunities there for you to recommit to Jesus, to come back to faith, or to ask for more information. And then I have a, reflex, a, uh, uh, a next step here that I want to challenge you to take the next steps. I mean, the, um, my gosh, uh, response to the message. Here it is. And I will ask God to shape my focus for 2021. Just check that. Uh, if you will, if you commit to that, this is going to be your commitment. And then lastly, here's the reflection question, uh, which is simply this. Uh, what does fruitfulness look like in my life in 2021? Take a picture of that. Will you do that? All right. Come on. Come on. Uh, whatever you do, stay safe this week and get back here next week so we can talk about how to, how to get focused and how to stay focused. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you were part of this teaching today on getting focused and I want to challenge you to make sure you're back here next week as we take up the subject of how to stay focused and if you want to be notified whenever we go live uh, just go ahead and press the notification bell on our Facebook page and our Facebook app also if you're looking for some maintenance or some support for your marriage I want to challenge you to go ahead and join our marriage life virtual retreat tons of people are signing up all over the place but we've got space for you and if you want to take another step of discipleship in your relationship with Jesus sign up for our virtual baptism celebration the link to both right here on the screen